0: Hello hello everyone. This is your host Akil Jabbar and welcome back to another episode of SaaS District. In today's episode, we'll be talking about remote work, business automation, and the importance of mixing voice, video, and SMS in your SaaS business. Today we have our guest, Lon Baker joining us. Lon is the COO at Virtual PBX, an award-winning business voice over IP provider. With a unified communication strategy, Virtual PBX lets you connect your users over traditional phones, computers, or mobile devices. It also lets you transform any location into a productive home office, greet customers using their virtual receptionist, route calls by department, update your business hours, start a video conference call and much, much more. So welcome Lon, super excited to have you on the SaaS District show today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to our, our conversation.
0: So before before the show, you mentioned something interesting. Uh, you know, virtual PBX started, I think, back in 1998. They're over 20 years old. You started off as a customer, um, but before talking about that, I want to hear about your your background, in entrepreneurship. You built uh, a company in the past called MailTank and then you know, then you joined the team back in 2009. Can you, can you share a little bit about that?
1: Uh, yeah, uh, a former business partner uh, and myself back in the in the late 90s decided to start a help desk system, a distributed help desk system, kind of before there was such a thing as the cloud or remote work. Um, and so we actually built a distributed uh, ticketing system and had agents spread across the country in the U.S. and a couple overseas in Europe also uh, that handled... Uh, Pay per call tech support for customers for when they had products that were unsupported by their companies, um, and so we did that, and we did that for about ten years. Uh, and And I actually used virtual PBX in nineteen ninety eight as part of that service.
0: Okay, uh, and then what happened with that company? Is that still running? Did you exit it, or what happened? With- uh, uh,
1: mm-hmm. We, me, and my former partner uh, separated. We, we parted ways. The company wasn't growing the way I wanted to grow, uh, and so I decided to go on to other opportunities. And actually. Virtual PBX kind of recruited me away.
0: Nice, nice. And, and where are you guys in terms of size today? Um, have you guys raised any external capital? Are you guys fully bootstrapped? Tell us a little bit more about the company.
1: We are 100% bootstrapped. Been bootstrapped since day one. Um, uh, we've always been private. And because we're private, we don't really reveal publicly the exact revenue size we are. Um, I would just say that we are a mid-tier uh, mid-tier player in the VoIP market, I would say, at this point. Uh, and we're on our way up. Um and we have team members spread all across the U.S. at this point. We're a fully distributed company. We've been that way for about five years now. Um, and we also service customers in about 40 com- uh, countries around the world.
0: Okay, so growing, growing quite nicely here. Yeah. Um, so, you know, phone apps, lower costs, recordings, and some other advanced features like call queues kind of come to mind when thinking about the benefits of using something like voice over IP technology. What would you say are some other pros of using this type of system over you know conventional Communication communication methods right now, especially as a as a SaaS company, teams being remote based.
1: Oh well, I can speak to like why I chose this company. Um, when I was a company separate of Virtual PBX, right? Okay. Um, we chose it because we wanted to have a technology that allowed us to be distributed, that you could work from anywhere, anytime. At the time, we were actually doing a lot of trade shows and traveling a lot of client sites. Well, we needed our phone to follow us, right, wherever we went. But we also didn't want our cell phone to be our business line because we were a company with, you know, multiple employees. We wanted to have a presence, a business entity. Um, And that was the advantage of really using a cloud-based phone system um, at the time. Uh, And that's what it still is today. A lot of companies come to us for that exact reason. Uh, It's not just for the underlying technology, which is really interesting, um, but it's also for that ability to have that kind of unified presence out in the world, that's yeah. easy to manage, right, for all your employees, no matter where they work. And, and to speak to that a little bit, all this technology, all the call queues and VoIP and all the fun things that we do that are interesting technology, the buzzwords, right, in our industry. When COVID hit last year, most of our customers seamlessly transitioned because our system was designed for that. They didn't have to think about it. Um, we yeah. actually helped a lot of companies that had hardware-based systems, right, or, you know, pr- physical presence they had to have with phones on desks transition quickly to remote work with soft phones and web phones and things like that. Um, and that is one reason why uh, a platform like ours and technology like VoIP, honestly, is critical in this day and age.
0: Mm. And w- So that's kind of the pros. Would you say there are any like, kind of downsides using this? Like, I mean, what comes to mind, uh, you know, it's kind of the dependency on stable internet connection, you know, both sides, right? The caller or the receiver, right? And that can definitely mess up the, the you know the overall quality of your experience using it.
1: You know, you know, being in the industry, mm-hmm. I never like to talk about the downsides of my product, right? Uh, that, that's one thing I don't want to do. But uh, I will say this. I mean, we, we, all, we all have seen it, especially in the last year, right? As people work remotely and have to adapt how they do things. Uh, I'd say the biggest challenge really is that we all are sharing um, common uh, internet connections, right? Uh, and mm-hmm. so when you, as soon as you move to a remote location um, or your home or a remote office you're unfamiliar with, you don't know what the quality of the internet connection will be. Luckily, you know, in most areas uh, of the world, even at this point, even some of the cellular stuff is quite amazing in that sense, um, that it's not as big an issue, but the one downside will be is when there's a regional mm. internet issue. We have that on occasion where some of our customers are impacted, for example, on a random occasion when, for example, in one region, an internet provider has an issue. That's probably the one thing that's kind of beyond the control of both us as well as the customer. Mm -hmm. You know, we we all see it, you know, you see it on Twitter, right? Where it's like, Google's down this morning for everybody, right? Or Slack's down for everybody. That's the one downside, I'd say, at cloud, but it's closing quickly. People are Mm -hmm. like, we built a very interesting architecture that routes around most of that in most cases.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, just quick stats here. I'm saying, you know, I think roughly, I think 94 percent of the people in the U.S. are connected to the internet, right? So that's, yep. I mean, that's kind of a given. But I mean, what happens to companies in you know, developing countries or if you're targeting a specific segment where a you know, percentage is lower? Um, do you guys have any technology or any, anything that can be adapted to those kind of special circumstances? Or have you seen anything that's, that's coming up?
1: Yeah, the, the, our, our, the places we're really most excited by are software-based phones, right? And WebRTC mm-hmm. are the two technologies that we're really most interested in because they've allowed us to deploy... For example, we have distributed call centers often, and the distributed call centers may have agents spread either globally or in other countries, Um, and the software-based as well as WebRTC-based phones allow us to deploy voice in those areas, and you'd be surprised at both the call quality as well as the low-tech devices those agents or those users can use and still have great quality. Um, Mm. We've been surprised. We've actually had, like, someone actually doing calls, like, literally in a small house in the middle of the Philippines or, or India, right? And we're, and we're surprised when they call in for some supporters, like, I need to configure my phone. We're like, where are you located? And we're just like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, uh, and also, the technology engineers are really clever. We keep improving the codecs, which allow you to deliver great voice and video over less and less bandwidth. And mm-hmm. that's really made a huge change, probably, I'd say, in the last four or five years in particular. <laughs>
0: So I I want to talk about one point you mentioned, which is about, you know, during COVID where a lot of those, you know, specialized hardware people in at the offices had the hardware for phone services to connect their systems to, you know, public phone networks. Now, you know, maybe for SaaS companies right now who have, you know, sales teams who are working in the office and are making that shift. um, Can you talk about how that can, you know, be easily replaced? And then does that also work for, you know, at any scale, you know, say enterprise large clients who have, you know, hundreds or if not thousands of these?
1: yeah, you mean replace, replacing hardware with software, replacing uh, on-premise with cloud. It's all relatively, hmm. it really comes down to a logistical issue, uh, as well hmm. as honestly a cultural issue. Um, we've been carrying that recently, especially with COVID, where some companies embrace it, right? They, they really, the managers have to embrace the change. The technology is relatively simple, honestly. Um, there are complexities in networks and security, uh, as well as regulatory compliance in some industries. But it's really a cultural shift. We went through it ourselves internally about five years ago when I, a COO, made the choice to, hey, let's allow our our team to work from wherever they want and let them get out of the office. We had kind of a central office we'd had for like a decade. Everybody went to the office every day. Everybody sat in the cubicles. Everybody sat in their offices talking to each other with phones on their desk. And we said, well, let's get everybody out of there. And actually, we learned it had to be a cultural change. The managers had to embrace it because the technology is easy. Whether I need to ship a hardware phone to a an employee at their home, or whether I have to give them a soft phone to install on their computer or their or their mobile phone, or whether I just have to give them a web browser-based phone to load up in their, you know, on their Chromebook, right? Mm. That 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 technology is the easy piece, right? The hard piece is getting the cultural shift to where management as well as the team members embrace it and enjoy it.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That's, that's always the biggest challenge, right? I, I can it is imagine. the biggest challenge. Yeah, yeah, getting to use the technology as simple as easy as possible without that pushback and, yeah, exactly. What, what, what about when it comes to security? Because I can imagine, you know, look, there's call encryption, there's yeah. voice over IP security, uh, and now with privacy concerns growing among you know people all over the world, right? Facebook, you have Apple, yeah. you have people just super, you know, super concerned about this this matter. Is this user data, you know, typically safe technology? And where do you guys stand on this matter? How, how have you guys handled that?
1: Uh, well, we do support a number of encryption technologies, including SRTP, uh, TLS for the si- signaling and things like that. Uh, but a big, big cultural thing and a big policy thing we made years and years and years ago was that, for one thing, we don't retain any customer data, you know, beyond the time that we're required for regulations. Mm. So we don't have a huge warehouse of customer data that they, we then go mine for statistics or anything like that. We did nothing with that. Our customer data is, is only stored for the customer. Uh, we also have compliance things in place to handle whether it's U.S.-based or EU-based, for example, um, and we comply with all the GDPR and those kind of regulations, as well as California has a regulation around privacy. But our big our big, our big, big uh, privacy focus for years now has been that our customers' data is their data. We do not store it beyond what we have to store it. We only store the bare minimum amount of data we need to store. And that was a big change, because really, if we don't have it, we don't have any privacy concerns, right? That was a big piece. We didn't want to keep any data that we didn't absolutely have to have for the customers to deliver the service they want or to meet any kind of regulatory things we have to meet. Beyond that, we don't want the data.
0: Mm, make, makes sense. I like that. Um, so, you know, can you give us some examples? You know, you know people in our, in our audience, typically SaaS founders, SaaS marketers, how could you yeah. say they can start, you know, best leveraging using this technology within their business? Um, and what would you say is the right balance, right? We mentioned, you know, voice, Video messages. How how much should we should be focusing on each? Where are you seeing the trends going? You
1: know, I'll tell you the big trends. Obviously, in the last year, you know, video has become a huge piece. You know, we rolled out video conferencing last year also as part of that because people needed it to work remotely. Um, That said, um, we think that voice and texting are really the bigger players uh, in the market because that's what both um, are both more efficient. They found in studies that actually voice communications are more effective than video communication. Um, and so that's a piece that we think is really important. But texting especially, as, as new generations enter the workforce, they are more embracing text and more asynchronous communication, right? that texting allows to occur versus having to schedule a call between two people. So we think texting and voice are really critical. Um, plus, you can deliver voice anywhere in the world really easily over almost any network. Video is a little trickier. Plus, as 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 we setting up this today, right? Having the right video camera, having a good microphone, having good audio—not that's a lot more cumbersome for most employees. Whereas, hey, having a great video call or be, or voice call and having texting, mm. you can give out to any employee quickly, and and they can use it almost anywhere, all the time. Mm.
0: And, and you mentioned so. I mean, you guys do voice. Uh, you know, uh, now you have the video conferencing and text kind of growing. So you have some of the big players, right? You know, the Slack, the Google Hangouts, yep. the Zoom. You guys have been around for what twenty-one years or so, or, or more. Yep. You know, kind of a leader in the space. But how do you guys stay, you know, competitive and compete with those big players and, and, and kind of stand out?
1: Well, our, our, our biggest way of standing out is well. One thing one philosophy I've always had is customer service beats everything, right? So giving mm-hmm. great customer service uh, and being honest with your customers about what you can and can't do for them, right? To make sure your product fits their needs, right? That's key up front. If you got the expectations right, you'll knock their socks off every time. Uh, but the second piece is really comes down to, we partnered both with our 20 years of experience, a lot of things we have tremendous experience in so we can quickly see a trend coming and either build or alter a solution we currently have to meet that trend. Or we've identified the key technologies, the key open source technologies, the key partners, and we partner with companies when we need to in order to deliver all the solutions customers are expecting. Um, And that's how we kind of stay up up the pace, you know, being a mid-sized company with the larger companies. Uh, And we actually have some exciting things in the works this year that are going to close the gap on those larger companies. Um, Mm. And one thing's great. Open source and the internet makes it easy for you to compete with pretty much any size company if you really want to.
0: That's true. I, th- I think your first point is super important. I think that uh, Jeff Bezos mentioned that years ago, right? When he was building out Amazon, uh, he said, Hey, aren't you going to become a real estate player or, or no warehouse and you're going to build all these things? He's like, no, I'm, I'm building a customer-based company. That's all it is. It's yes. Everything is for the customer service. That's what they ask and that's what we build for them. So that's the key. Them, yeah,
1: you have to go yeah. after customers. You have to deliver what the customer wants and you have to make sure that you're in alignment with what they need because there are times when we're not in alignment. They will need something different than what we can deliver and if we just mm-hmm. sell it to them, they're not going to be happy.
0: That's true. You can't force it onto them. Yeah. So if I'm a SaaS company, uh, I'm the customer, what should I be looking for if I'm exploring all these different options? There's so many unified, you know, messaging providers or VoIP providers. What should I be looking for
1: um, th- well, it's interesting you say that. Uh, there, there are two things that I think, I mean, obviously, everybody, every, every I'm a COO, so you know me. I mean, as a COO of a company, I'm always looking for the best service or the best price that meets all the needs, right? Th- that's the business side of the world. Um, uh, and, and that's, the, uh, that's the, the nickels and dimes. But the real key thing is, will, what your, will your choice scale with your business and will give you flexibility in the future? Like, mm-hmm. are you locking yourselves into something? Oh, we recently had a customer come to us who actually had bought a proprietary system and it did everything they wanted for their business. And then one day something happened to it. Uh, And when it happened, their entire business came to a grinding halt and they now have to go and rebuild all that. And we're helping them in the meantime while they do that. Uh, But they locked themselves into a proprietary system. And now once it broke, everything in their business stopped because everything was in that one box. Um, And so... You know, what Our philosophy has always been that we put our services where customers want to work. So whether they want to work in Slack or Google or Microsoft Teams, whether they want to integrate with one of thousands of services, um, we decide to integrate our platform with Zapier and give a, a developer API so they can build into whatever they want. So that way they can use our voice services or just our text services or just our video services and integrate it into whatever their business needs. So that way all their eggs aren't in one basket right? And they have opportunity mm. to grow. And as we grow, they get the new opportunities. Uh, and that's mm. a big piece. Make sure you don't lock yourself into some proprietary system that if something goes wrong, or if that company changes directions, now you have to re-architect your entire business around it.
0: Yeah. I mean, that, that's the issue, right? Lots, a lot of people lock into things of what their reliability needs are, you know, for, for the next six months or one year, but what happens in, you know, when you actually hit growth yeah. in five years and now you're stuck with this and you have a mess to work with, right? Yeah, exactly. long, ter- long term, yeah. A quick note from our sponsors today, and we'll be right back. Being a great manager has never been harder. The relationship between employees and their managers is the key driver of workplace productivity and engagement. We believe with the right tools, managers can be exceptional leaders. Work Patterns is designed to make team management easier than ever by enabling continuous one-on-one feedback, collaborative meetings, goal tracking, and workflow management all in one place. Whether you're a manager struggling to stay on top of things or a CEO whose organization has outgrown its systems, visit workpatterns.com to see how they can help. Now, back to the show. Yeah,
1: Yeah, and and to that point real quick, um, the interesting part about that is that like over the last 11 years or so I've been with the company, we've kind of rebuilt our entire platform. We've taken our company to a whole new phase of growth uh, and evolution at this point. And that's the, those are the lessons that I learned coming out of that was that you know don't lock yourself into a proprietary system or into some long term contract uh, or into a certain technology and not be open to other things that you can do. An example being perfectly as we're seeing coming out of the colleges now, Chromebooks are flying out of the colleges. They're faster yeah. growing than anything else when it comes to your I think your K through 12 education um, is Chromebooks is now the biggest segment of technology. Well, for me as a leader in business and technology, when you're talking about that and SaaS. Um, in particular, which I know is your your focal point, is I'm looking going, well, the next generation of kids are going to be looking at that and they might come out of school and go, that was so easy to use. I want to use that. Well, I need to make sure my platform is ready to deliver services. And to that end, like a couple of years ago, we built a web-based phone that works perfectly well on a Chromebook. So if a company wants to deploy something inexpensive to, t- to, to employees, we're there. And that's kind of my philosophy of we put our services where people want to work so they can be flexible in their choices, not locked into a choice that we force on
0: them. Hmm. And you're thinking a lot, lot ahead and looking at different kind of trends to see where to anticipate to be. Can, yep. you, so you mentioned growth. Uh, you know, That's kind of an interesting strategy. Do you have any other growth strategies or experiments that you'd say have w- worked best for you guys in growing virtual PBX to where it is today? More just for you know SaaS founders who are looking to learn and, and apply some of those.
1: Yeah, yeah I, we definitely, after 21 years, we have a lot of uh, battle scars, right? Um, so we've we been through the ups and the downs of everything you can imagine in, in the SaaS world. Because we were a SaaS company before there was such a thing as SaaS, right? Uh, right. Being in 98. There was there was no SaaS companies in 98, right? Um, actually, I'll just tell you a quick anecdote. Uh, Pac Bell, which was the actual phone company back in the day, when we told them what we were doing, said it was impossible. They literally said it was impossible for us to do what we were going to do. Uh, and we actually built our first system in a garage in San Francisco, pulling in T1 lines that Pac Bell had no idea what we were going to do. And they swore could not be done. Um and and that's the kind of thing and and for SaaS founders, I think that's a key thing is that there's so many ideas floating around uh, in your business all the time. If you're paying attention to trends on on social media or, you know, the barrage of emails from all these consultants and analysts out there, they'll always be telling you the trend, but the trends you're gonna pick up the best are watching what people like yourself, your peers are doing in their businesses and using that feedback loop to drive yourself forward. What are your Mm -hmm. peers choosing? Right. To do with their businesses as far as like technology choices, hiring choices, where they're going to where team members are going to work and identifying those and following those trends. And then when it comes to growth strategies, it really is looking for what industries are growing and focusing on on what services you can deliver to those industries and not worrying about the industries that aren't growing.
0: Mm. And and on the other side, so I mean, just to kind of, how how do you you have any kind of specific strategies on what you use to kind of be on top of understanding those market trends and and being on top of it? Anything that you Um, do,
1: my my team, my team hates me in a sense that way (laughs) because I have a routine where I have this, uh, I kind of a process using uh, the app called Notion as well mm-hmm. as a uh, feed bin for news, Twitter, social media, stuff like that. And I kind of collect it all week. And on the Sunday nights, I sit down and filter through it all. And I come up with, do I see a trend? Do I see a topic that needs to be brought up to my marketing team, my sales team, my operations team. Uh, and then every Monday we do a kind of a huddle and I do huddles all week through with my team kind of directing them on, Hey, we need to look at this. And, and of course, that is on top of the layer of every day watching my business, what are my customers saying, things like that. Mm. And I would definitely say the biggest thing that any, any, any SaaS company can do is make your communication with your customer as transparent as possible to your entire team. Mm. Um, we use the intercom uh, in Slack. Um, we wire those up. Um, I kind of force the intercom onto my support team, actually, so that we can see instead of bearing in a help desk t- system somewhere in a ticket, Literally, all our team can see every conversation with every customer, which means we can pick up on trends, on warning signs with a with a customer that may be upset, or hey, they keep asking for this one thing that we don't do. Maybe we should go build that. Um, mm. And that's the transparency of communication with customer is critical for a SaaS company to
0: succeed. Nice. So you know, equally important on the other side is you know, it's, it's nice to see what what's been working for you, but you know, with your battle scars, it's uh, it's good to know what what hasn't worked. I think. Uh, can you share any kind of failed? growth experience that hasn't worked for your business model and, and you wouldn't do again?
1: Uh, yeah. Well, I, I can I sum up in, in one big one big philosophy I've, I've developed over the years is that, uh, you know, be careful not to hurt the momentum you've achieved. Um, when you're getting your team all focused on a single goal and getting everybody marching in a single direction, be careful to not let distractions pull you off course. Really quickly, a distraction, for example... Uh, a team member or a customer brings you a large opportunity. Hey, if you just do this, here's this whole market you can get. And you know, over the 20 years, many times we've gone marching off in a direction, thinking there was a business opportunity or a growth opportunity, and spent a bunch of effort, marketing effort, development effort, you know, just time, mind, you know, mind share, basically within the team of thinking about it, and you'll you'll waste days or weeks and sometimes months before you realize, hold on, this isn't going to grow my company at all. This isn't going to improve it. So be careful not to allow distractions to pull you off course of the momentum that you've already gained.
0: Mm. I guess you have to find that balance of like, is it actually momentum or is it yeah. you know, something you actually need to pivot? And I think that's the balance,
1: right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that, that's a yeah. careful decision that you have to make mm. there. And you sometimes mm. have to go all in and pivot. Exactly.
0: Mm. Um. Kind of going to the personal level, mm. more rapid fire question, Lon. Um, sure. Looking back now, what's you know, lots of experience, lots of wisdom. What's one piece of advice you had you wish you had known and would tell your 25 year old self looking back today?
1: 25 year old self, um, know when to kill a product, Uh right? Uh Don't don't hold on thinking that if I just do this one new thing, the product might survive. Um, That was definitely uh, a couple a couple failed business uh, ideas occurred that way that chewed up way too many too much time, and also just ship. Just ship your stuff. Don't wait for it to be perfect. Just ship it. I mean, that's old mm. philosophy. You've heard it all over the internet. Uh, you see a lot of people talking about it, but that's just the truth. Just ship what you have and then iterate on it You know, with customer feedback and you'll get to where you need it to be. Whereas if you wait for it to be perfect, <laughs> you'll lose you'll yeah. months or years in some cases.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Do, do you have any you know, way of approaching when to kill a product? Like right now, you know, based off doing it probably several times, you know when is the right thing? Or is it just kind of a gut and, you know, looking at data and and you set kind of a a hypothesis at the beginning? Is it yes or no kind of decision?
1: Uh, There's a combination. There is, there are sometimes it's gut. Um, We'll get really excited. I kind of a rule now that when someone, whether it's my CEO uh, or whether it's all the way down to a team member or a customer bringing me some great new thing that sounds really exciting, I always sleep on it. I never make a decision in a moment. I always sleep on it and really think it through and see if it fits into the big picture of where we're driving the company and where we're driving our business and what our customers need. Um, mm. The second one uh, I would say on that point would be uh, I become a data fiend. Um, I actually look at the data very closely. Uh, will it impact the key metrics you know that are driving the company forward? You know mm. whether it's cost reductions, sales growth, you know customer satisfaction. Although across the board, I look at all those will it grow revenue, will it reduce my costs, will it improve the customer experience. You know, those are the three key areas. There's a bunch of metrics in all those areas. But if those three areas, it kind of has to tick the box in those areas for it to be worth it.
0: Mm, love it. That's, that's a great framework. Um, what are some of the biggest challenges you're currently facing in order to continue to grow virtual PBX? Meaning, what keeps you up at night these days?
1: I'll be honest. Um, we finished, uh, we finished a major platform migration last year where we spent three years building a whole new platform that can scale even bigger than we ever dreamed of doing it 20 years ago. Um, and once that was done, I don't worry about sleeping at night because we designed it a way we can sleep at night, right? We mm-hmm. built the technology yeah. correctly so we can sleep at night. We don't worry about that. Well, actually, what keeps me up these days is planning what we're doing next. Um, like I said, I have a routine. Every Sunday night, my wife goes to bed and I sit there for a couple hours going through my notes doing my meeting agenda for the week to set out the course for my team to help lead them down to where we want to go. And that's what keeps me up is actually working on it and planning it and the excitement of doing it. I really never stay up anymore worrying about what's going to go wrong.
0: I love it. That's a a good place to be in. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Lon, who or what are the best three resources? It could be books, uh, people, mentors, people you follow, who you'd say have been the most instrumental to your success over these last few years.
1: Oh, wow. Um, Well, obviously uh, for inspiration, I look at Elon Musk um, I only look at Elon Musk, not, not for, just for his pragmatic approach to problem solving. Nothing more than that. His pragmatic data-driven approach to problem solving. Hey, it's obvious we need to do this. Let's do it, right? Um, and then uh, there's a software person that I met years ago. He's a little controversial right now, maybe. David, uh, H- uh, David Hanson, uh, DHH from Basecamp um, and formerly 37signals. Um, his approach to building software... I actually sat, when he first launched uh, what they call Ruby on Rails, I actually paid to go to a conference in San Francisco where he and I think uh, two other members of his team presented their concept for building software, right, before they got big. Uh, and that one meeting, that one like two-hour, three-hour engagement, watching them explain how they build software and what they're, how to build a company for customers, changed my life for how I want to do things in business um, mm. completely. Um, setting aside whatever they do in their company. That's exactly what I just embraced that philosophy of you build pragmatic software that delivers exactly what customers want and you have an opinion about it so customers know what you're delivering. Um, and then I, I don't really have another one beyond those two right now that I can think of off the top of my head other than I am obsessive about using TweetDeck um, mm. and filtering on topics around people building businesses. Um, there are some great uh, hashtags you can follow right now on Twitter around people who are building businesses in the open, as they call it, where they yeah. actually just expose exactly, here's what I tried, here's what worked, here's what failed. And by the way, here's my dashboard every month of what I'm actually succeeding at financially in this business. And mm. watching that, you can learn so many lessons from from those people. Or after being around for 21 years in business, you're reminded of lessons you may have forgotten.
0: <laughs> That's true. You, need, you also need that reminder. It's easy to forget. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Lon, what does success mean to you today? Whether that's personally, financially, business, life, there's no, there's no right answer.
1: I can't complain about anything in life right now. I, I feel I feel blessed and, and lucky to be where I'm at in, in life. Um, that said, uh, I am so excited by the future um, and what we're going to achieve in the future at our company, as well as both personally for myself, as well as for the company and the team members. We have a small tight knit team. They're all shareholders in the company. We believe in sharing that with the, with the company. Again, Benefits of being a private company, we can share with the team members, right? And we don't have to worry about investors. Um, mm. uh, and so I'm really excited about what we can deliver to all of them, but to help them achieve what they want to do in their lives, as well as help our customers. Um, and I know that all sounds a little cliche, but it really is the philosophy of our company. It's been that way. That's why I've been around 21 years as a private company. Uh, We're we based in Silicon Valley. We've been private for 21 years. And I do think that's an achievement that's a testament to the founders of the company. That was a philosophy they had. Uh, and trust me, people show up all the time wanting to hand us checks um, mm. to invest in our company. And we always say no, because it, it would take us away from the core philosophy and principles of our company. And that's something I'm very proud of
0: at this mm. point. Yeah, there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. If you're in business for 21 years, I mean, that seems these days, that seems like a long time. But I mean, you guys have built something impressive. And yeah, exactly. congrats to you. Yeah. Oh, thanks so much. Cool. Uh this this has been a great, Lawn. I really appreciated you jumping on. Like this conversation. Uh last question, where can our fa- founders or you know get in touch with you, learn more about you and, and kind of what you're working on at virtual pbx? Well, they, can,
1: they can always hit me up on email, lawn.baker at virtualpbx.com. I'm happy I answer all my emails. Um also you can follow me on LinkedIn at lawnbaker slash lawnbaker at LinkedIn. Um I don't really keep on Twitter. I follow Twitter, but I don't post on mm. Twitter. It's a little too it's just it is what it is, right? <laughs> sure. Um, but, th- but th- those are really the places I follow. Um and of course um, I work with my marketing team. I publish blogs on occasion on our blog at virtualpbx.com. And so that's where we're, and we're going to do a lot more writing there. And We're also going to start our own little uh, video series on YouTube pretty soon here. where We'll all be talking about the business lessons we're learning.
0: Love it. Look forward to seeing it. And we'll add those links to our show notes for people to check out and say hi to Lon. Uh, thanks awesome. again, Lon. I appreciate you jumping on today. It's great Thank chatting you with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you all for listening in to this episode and joining SAS District today. Don't forget to leave a review and subscribe for future episodes where we interview top leaders in the SaaS industry. If you're a SaaS company looking to grow and unlock the true value of your business, get in touch with us at horizoncapital.com and myself or one of our consultants will provide a free assessment to help you get there and hit your goals. If you have any feedback or suggestions for this podcast, please DM us on Instagram or LinkedIn at horizoncapital and help us improve our content for you all. Thanks again and hope to see you on the next one.